Into the Garden podcast, the dawn and break of a new day, a new beginning, a turning point, a new importance, a new possibility to say, oh taste and say how good and how gracious the Lord has been to you and to me. We welcome the break of newness, of freshness, the breakthrough, the breakthrough, the splendour of fragrance, that aroma that speaks and gives off an anointing sweet essence, you say. A sweet is the promise that God will never leave nor forsake thee. Join me on into the garden. Calling all sassy souls. This is your time, so brace yourself as you relax and unwind. Phone a friend or two and ask them to join you. From a wet, cold, and icy Cape Town, we are about to shine our way through. Gosh, we made it, and it's a perfect weekend coming to me and you. Hola, bienes, tardes, como esta? Ni hao, ni margin, dobre, bueno, chanata. Josanne, come on, star. I'm your host, Naomi Jacobs, and so lovely to have you join us on Sassy Soul Friend of God. Well, today joining me is Elder Audrey Fulton, bringing a word and one that I can resonate with. How about you? But if you have not heard the insert on our video, it's during this time of worry that you and I disconnect from God, the one from whom all blessings flow, the one from whose all hope comes from. Her word today is the distraction of weight and worry. So what are we waiting for? Let's dive right in for more. Well, hello, I'm Audrey Fulton. How are you today? Welcome into the garden, hosted by Salome Jacobs of South Africa. I'm grateful for this opportunity to share on this platform. Today's podcast episode is entitled The Distraction and Weight of Worry. That is, again, The Distraction and Weight of Worry. Yes, it seems these days, um, Everywhere I turn, I'm hearing someone speaking 
concerning worrying. And it caught my attention over the last weeks, uh, whether it be a speaker, religious speaker, or uh, just someone speaking in general on the news, they mentioned the word worry. And I found myself of late worrying, which I know is something that I should not allow and neither should you. So I started to look a little closer uh, concerning worrying, and I recently picked up a book that I found in one of my mother's drawers uh, at home in her dresser drawer, uh, and the title of it is Wisdom for the Way. It's a small book, but it's very thick, uh, and it says wise words for busy people. And what really caught my attention, it was written and copyright in 2001 by Dr. Charles R. Swindoll. Many years ago, I listened to him. He's an awesome teacher of the Word of God, and I like that he includes his life experiences in his teachings and uh, uh, his sermons. So I will be sharing today from that little book some points that I pulled out, and uh, I pray that you will be blessed as it has been blessing me uh, for the last week or so. So my prayer is, uh, when it comes to worry from this day forward, that you as a listener, hearer, including myself, will be stirred by the Spirit of the Lord to be more mindful of our enemy, the devil, the thief, who has come to steal, kill, and destroy our focus, our peace, and faith in God's promises throughout his word. On the other hand, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that they or we may have life and have it to the full. I'll start out by just summarizing a definition and kind of provoking you to uh, come up with your own definition and maybe identify yourself a little more with worry showing up in your life. The definition of worry from Oxford languages as a verb, uh, which is an accent word, worry means to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. As a noun, the definition of worry, a noun being a person, place, or thing, the definition of worry is a state or place of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Many times I find myself worrying about things that haven't happened. And uh, so if we don't be careful, the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy our focus, peace, and faith in God's promises throughout his word, we will find ourselves 
in a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Jesus teaches us in John 10.10, and this is according to the New Living Translation, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not very satisfying in my life if I've been distracted by worrying. Again, today's title is The Distraction and Weight of Worry. Pastor Charles Swindoll, uh, one of the readings he had was entitled, Worry is Distracting. And the scripture he used is, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Anxious. Intriguing word. It literally means to be divided or distracted. We find a perfect illustration of this in the story of Mary and Martha, recorded in Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 38 through 42. Taking a minute to look into their little abode, we find that Martha is distracted. She's anxious. Jesus is sitting down talking, and Mary is sitting at his feet, enjoying his presence and his teachings. But not Martha. She is busy back in the kitchen, getting everything ready for a big meal in good womanly fashion. She is making everything match, everything fit, everything come out of the oven at just the right time. But Jesus wanted her to come and sit down beside her sister and listen. It wasn't that he didn't appreciate her efforts. He just wanted her to serve a simple dish so that they could make the most of their time together. Her anxiety was distracting her from more important things. Worry always does that. I once heard someone say, to worry is to doubt your God. Another saying I've heard is, be in faith, not in your feelings. Worrying lack of happiness because we react according to what's happening in our life. And I like to restate that. Worrying comes about I'll paraphrase it. Worrying comes about because of a lack of happiness. Because in most cases, we react according to what's happening in our life circumstances. So happiness tends to be sometimes temporary because things are not quite going our way. Happiness, again, is often based on 
what's happening in our life's circumstances. So we have to be in faith and not in our feelings. Without faith, no one can please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who sincerely try to find him or seek him. Worrying often distracts us from seeking God. Because seeking normally takes a little longer. The word also says that when we seek the Lord with all of our heart, he shall be found. So be careful not to allow worry to paralyze us or to paralyze you from moving forward. In Isaiah 26, uh, 3, it says, Be assured, purpose wilt thou preserve perfect peace because they trusted in him. I'll repeat that. By assurance, purpose will thou preserve perfect peace because they trusted in thee. We, in most cases we hear, uh, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But I particularly like by an assured purpose will thou preserve perfect peace because they trusted in you. And that's the 1599 Geneva Bible. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 in God's word translation, never worry about anything, but in every situation, let God know what you need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine or any worry we may be impacted by, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ. Worry is distracting. So, we're hoping today and praying that we all will become more mindful of allowing worry to distract us. Next is the weight of worry. Have you noticed that worrying can be weighty? You feel heavy. You don't feel like uh, getting much accomplished. You may feel lethargic. Uh, you may just feel totally out of it. You may just want to stay in bed all day. First Peter 5 and 7 tells us to cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Another version by J.B. Phillips, New Testament. So humble yourself under God's strong hand 
And in his own good time, he will lift you up. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him. For you are his personal concern. Worry can cause us detrimental imbalance to both our mental and our physical health. The ultimate effect of this diseases our results in disease. I'll repeat that. The ultimate effect of worry diseases our results in disease. Mental health issues, hopelessness, uh, heart issues, blood pressure, or even cancer. Those things are diseases. They disease us. Worry can become a killer. The weight of worry again should be resolved by casting all our anxiety on him because he cares for you. It reminds us of the fact that our Heavenly Father cares for us. That's First Peter 5 and 7. So what do you do with worry? Matthew 6 and 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Concerning the weight of worry, how wonderful that God personally cares about those things that worry us and pray, P-R-E-Y, upon our thoughts. He cares about them more than we care about them. Not a single nagging, aching, worrisome, stomach-tensing, blood pressure-raising thought escapes his notice. God knows, he sees, he hears, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Nothing escapes his notice. And what's his solution? Cast all your anxiety on him. Another version says you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him. Why? For he is your personal concern. This is how the Phillips translation renders it in 1 Peter 5, 7. When he mentions to throw the whole weight of your anxiety upon him. Isn't that good? 
He genuinely cares. He is able to bear all the weight of your worry because you are his personal concern. I am his personal concern. Will you repeat that and put yourself in mind or touch your heart area? He is able to bear all the weight of my worry. Why? Because we, I am his personal concern. You never, 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 never disappear from his radar screen. Nothing gets by our Heavenly Father. So again, We hope that today you and I will throw the whole weight of our anxieties upon him. For you, I am his personal concern. Again, I ask the question, what do we do with worry? Here's a question worth your time. What are we to do when worry comes knocking on the door of our mind, our mental state? First, we must set our minds on Christ. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that will worry you shall be added to you. When the rent is due, when the car payment is due, when a family uh, member has a bad uh, medical report, when you may lose your job, may the, when the car has broken down, when there has been an accident, when a child has been wayward, when there's been uh, in marriage relationship problems, problems, possibly a separation. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that would worry you shall be added to you. He's already thought of these things for us. He doesn't miss anything. When the temptation to worry first arrives, that's the critical moment. When it first arrives, to cast it down. It's a matter of us making a decision. It's a matter of you making a decision not to yield to the temptation to worry. When? When it first arrives. That's the critical moment. The tendency is to entertain it. It's a human thing. The tendency is to entertain it, which often leads to pity parties, which can lead to depression. When the temptation to worry first arrives, that's the critical moment. I was listening to a recording 
earlier this week that a friend shared with me. Uh, and the speaker was a, a friend of mine. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, Reverend Flanagan. He said in that sermon that he recorded years ago, and I'm paraphrasing it to fit this situation, when the tendency to entertain worry, we must say overrule. I overrule this temptation to entertain worry. Overrule. Ever since I've listened to that uh, sermon earlier this week, I've been saying overrule because I cannot, I cannot go through life any longer entertaining worry. And my prayer today is that you no longer from this day forward go through life entertaining worry about potential problems. Not to mention the problems that we know do exist, but when we go over into the realm of potential, that's a weight. Worrying is waiting. The tendency is to entertain it, to let it onto the front porch and allow it to sit there. But before you know it, Rory has crawled in through the window and made itself at home. No, worry must be stopped. It must be overruled. And what does overrule mean? It means to reject or disallow by exercising one's superior authority. It means to reject the decision or the argument of someone. When there's a decision being made that you desire a different result than what you're hearing or what is written, I want to admonish you to begin to say the same thing. Overruled. You can say it aloud. You can say it in your heart. You can say it in your mind. But you must immediately, it's critical that the moment the temptation to worry arrives, not entertain it. Worry must be stopped. We have to decide that we are going to commit this worry to God right now and refuse to entertain it, even on the front porch of our thinking. How about that? Another version of Matthew 6.33 says, through 34 says, in response to what to do with worry when it shows up, but first be concerned about God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you as well. 
So never worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, each hour, each week, each month, each year has enough trouble of its own. I often hear that scripture uh, from this version. Sufficient is the evil for today. So there's enough to deal with in 24 hours, enough to deal with in 60 minutes, enough to deal with in 12 months or monthly or weekly or annually. Would you agree? Don't forget, if you don't remember anything else today I said about or I shared about the distraction and weight of worry, please remember, go back and listen to this again, what to do with worry. We have a tendency to entertain it. When the temptation to worry first arrives, first arrives, that's the critical moment to make a decision that we're going to commit this word to God. In that moment, and refuse or overrule the thought of entertaining it. Well, I hope you were blessed today and will ponder the sharing of this word today and apply it to your life. And again, my prayer is, Lord, when it comes to worry from this day forward, that the hearer and listening to this word will be stirred by your spirit, Lord to be more mindful of our enemy, the devil, the thief who has come to steal, kill, and destroy our focus, our peace, and faith in God's promises throughout his word. Help us to remember that Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, according to John 10.10. The thief purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them, us, a rich and satisfying life. Amen. Well, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Shalom. Happy Mother's Day.
Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Happy Mother's Day in whatever capacity that may look like for you. Be it a, mom, a mother, a biological mother, stepmother, foster mother, auntie mom, spiritual mom, godmother, mentor, neighbor. Happy Mother's Day. With that, I'd like to share with you my family. I know I haven't been up on this stage a lot, so for our new friends that are here that may not be too familiar with me and, our, and my family, here they are. This is, uh, the littlest is Caius. He's two years old. Uh, Caius is really sweet. He's uh, a Sour Patch Kid is kind of what we, we've described him. Yeah, in public he's sweet, which is all I care about, and in private he is sour. <laughs> Um, but he's reserved and he's awesome. Feel free when you see him running around, say hello and he would love to meet you. Cadence, however, is more of an extrovert like his dad. He loves to love. He loves people. He loves socializing. So when you see him running around, give him a high five, give him a fist bump, whatever it is, he would love to meet you too. And you may even get a hug out of, Kai, uh, out of Cadence. He's, he's, he's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so those are my little boyfriends, and so I want to take this time to tell you, honey, thank you for my little boyfriends. <laughs> thank you very much. They're so special, and uh, they've made all my dreams come true. Um, I want to give a special um, happy Mother's Day to my mom, Lady J, who is here. Can we give her a round of applause? Yes. Yes, this is my queen. I love her so much. Aww. She's silent but deadly, all right? Let me tell you that. She is, she is amazing. Um, she continues to mother me. 37 years, she still mothers me. Do you have a jacket? Do you want your dad to come and drive you to Sacramento? Sonia, you should take someone with you. So she still mothers me to this day, and I'm convinced that I need her more now than I did growing up. So, Mom, thank you for continuing 37 years of raising to raise me. Thank you. Don't stop. And to my wonderful mother-in-law, can you give a, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, my mother-in-law is wonderful, you love me deeply, you support me, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for raising the man of my dreams, and you've done an amazing job. He is just everything that I could have dreamed, and it's because of your mothering, and um, continue to mother him, too, because you call and you make sure he took his medicine, <laughs> and so we're grateful for that, <laughs> as he takes one right now. Um, so I want to show you a quick video clip of Caius. Can I do that? But before I do, I want to set the stage. Fun fact about him is he was born with six fingers. So Caius was born with um, an extra thumb. Our friends of color and my family said it looked like a little lobster claw, which it did. Well, my husband and I, we decided to have it removed um, just for many reasons. Our, we wanted to have that removed. So here he is at Shriners getting ready for his operation. Um, and so go ahead and show the clip. You're going to see quickly what the problem is with Caius. Just step over it. Come on. It's not that bad. Caius, come on. Come here. And? Come on. See? Wasn't that bad. 
So Caius moseyed on, happy like that, cheese and grinning, had the time of his life, just filled with joy once he got over that step. See, Caius at that time hated uneven surfaces. He didn't like stepping over cracks. He was a new walker, so it looked intimidating to him, I'm sure. They looked like cliffs versus actual small cracks. Um, I didn't have to worry about him wandering off and leaving me because I knew there was a crack somewhere near and he, <laughs> he wouldn't cross it. So Caius did not like crossing over cracks. So we either had to carry him over or like you saw me hold his hand and walk him over. Otherwise it would just be tears. So just like this video, sometimes the feeling of being inadequate that feeling of not being good enough, that feeling of, of maybe even worthlessness stops us dead in our tracks and prevents us from taking that leap or taking that next step into what it is that God has called us to do. That fear of inadequacy, that fear of not doing it like other people or doing it right prevents us from moving into where God has us to be. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy of accomplishing more. Maybe you feel like you're less than other women. But I promise you, if we keep moving toward that place and we give God, we surrender our insecurities over to God and we, and we exchange our insecurities for his strengths, we'll be like Caius on the other side of that crack, moving on into purpose, moving on to fulfillment, moving on to joy, moving on into peace. But we have to take that step. So as I was praying today, I'm like, God, what is it that you want me to communicate to your ladies? What is it that you want, to me, want me to communicate even to your men? So men, as you're listening here, as you're here for your wife or your mom or whoever, God, there's principles in this message for you as well. So don't tune out, okay? This applies. I may be directed to the women, but this is, this is worth listening and paying attention to as well. So I was talking to God, like, God, what is it? that you need them to know. I never want to just preach what I want to preach or talk about because that's not impactful. That's not, that does nothing. But I wholeheartedly believe that he wants to remind you, each and every one of you, ladies, despite your insecurities, you are the woman for the job. Okay? Ladies, I'm here to tell you today that you in all of your uniqueness, you, despite your insecurities, despite not feeling like you're good enough, that you measure up, you are the woman for the job. So if I can be vulnerable and transparent and just show you everything here on this stage, transitioning into lead pastor has been, has been quite the adjustment for me. It's been quite the adjustment. If I'm honest, I've held every emotion you can possibly think of, although being confident that God has called me to this position, it didn't mean that my flesh still wouldn't feel uneasy. It didn't mean that the enemy still wouldn't try to feed me lies. 
So although knowing that God has called me to this, my flesh would still rise up and cause me to feel so many uncomfortable feelings. The heaviest of them all is being inadequate. God, I know you've called me to be a pastor, but I feel inadequate. See, my parents... 42 years have been pastors, so I've always had that front row seat into what pastorship looks like and how they've led so well and how they've led so impactful. And now, God, you're calling me to this place to fill those kind of shoes? I don't know if I got what it takes. So my thoughts would often sound like you're not anointed for this. You're not like your mom. There's no way you can do what God has called you allegedly to do. You're not, you don't have what it takes. You're the youngest of the family. There's no way anyone is going to listen to you. You're not smart enough. You didn't go to theology or Bible school or seminary. You didn't do any of that. You're not smart enough for this position. Your testimony isn't grand enough. What have you been through? You can't help anybody. And sometimes in my flesh, I would just get so sick of that negativity. I, I, negativity makes my skin crawl. So the fact that I was playing into that negativity just got me fed up to the point to where I, I started talking my talk back. As me and my husband would say, I started talking my mess back. I said, you know what? I am anointed for this. In my flesh, I have what it takes. I can do this. But those voices would still persist. There was no oil behind that, as my parents would say. So I had to lean into God and say, God, I know you've called me to this. So what is it about me, God? Draw me in so that I can be confident in you. So he began to move in my heart. He began to move into my spirit and speak and grow me, develop me, which he's still doing. And then my perspective switched. I started saying, you know what? I don't have what it takes. I am not you know, anointed enough. I don't have the words, nor do I have the power. But guess what? I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. I am the woman for the job because I have been called by the Almighty God to lead Limitless Church at such a time as now, to take the limits off of the way that we see faith, to take the limits off of the way that we see Jesus and the church. I am the woman for this right here. And no one can do this job like me, but me. Amen? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 tells us, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may what? Rest on me. This is the scripture that I clung tightly to, that I continue to cling tightly to. This scripture is imperative. It reminds me of the hope that it's not me, but it is indeed my weakness. And when I exchange my weakness for his strength, there's nothing that I cannot do. Amen? So I encourage you, ladies, find a scripture of hope. Find a promise. 
in the Bible, and you cling to that thing. So when the enemy is doing what the enemy does, you have that weapon to fight back. Because I'm not naive. I know it's his job to try to distract us. And he does sometimes an okay job at it. But his job is to keep you distracted from impacting God's kingdom by any means necessary. You know why? Because the woman who knows who she is in God is his greatest threat. The woman who knows who she is in God is his greatest threat. Why do you think we had a target on our backs ever since Eve? Genesis. He was lying to us. Did God really say that you should be doing ministry? Did God really say you should go back to school? Did God really say you should start that business? If he can plant those seeds of doubt in us, he knows that he can stop us. But I'm here to tell you today, sis, that if God is calling you to it, he will teach you and he will train you for it. So don't take the enemy's bait and shy and shrink away from whatever it is that God has called you to. Be his willing student. Because in reality, it really is foolish for us to think that God would call us to something and not give us the grace or the tools to complete it. If we really think into it, it doesn't make sense. God is always going to grace you and equip you for the job that he has destined for you. And with that, I want to introduce you to an unlikely hero that most would deem, by definition, unqualified, okay? So we're going to discover who this woman is, who's this unlikely, unqualified hero. We're going to glean some wisdom uh, from Joshua 2, verse 1. Joshua 2, verse 1 says, Then Joshua, son of, I'm sorry, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Got that? You thought I was going to trip you up, right? <laughs> trip me up. <laughs> secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Unlikely hero. A prostitute. Same sentence. Same God. This is why I love the Bible so much. Unlikely hero, prostitute, incredible. Rahab was a prostitute who lived within the walls of the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a great city except for the fact that God had called the Israelites to come and conquer it, okay? Now, the people who lived in Jericho, along with Rahab, obviously, weren't following God. However, they had heard about him because of what he did for the children of Israel as they were escaping from Egypt. He, the the um, people of Jericho heard about the many battles that God had helped the Israelites win. Okay? He's doing all of these miracles for the people of Israel. So rightfully so, now the people of Jericho... They've 
they hear that the Israelites were camped outside of their city, okay? Now, the people of Jericho, knowing that God helped, them win, helped the Israelites win many battles, now the people of Israel are camped outside of their city. They're concerned. They're worried. Joshua, the leader of that time, sent two spies into the city to observe it in preparation to conquer it. Now, the Bible seems to indicate that those two spies made a beeline into the unusual place of refuge. Insert Rahab. Okay? You may wonder, why would God send those two spies into a prostitute's home? These, these, his chosen people, he's sending them into this woman's home with that kind of reputation. So the reason I believe that strikes a chord with my heart is that although other people might have underestimated Rahab's potential based on her circumstances and based on her past, God did not underestimate Rahab based on her past and based on her present circumstances. God knew Rahab was the woman for the job because Rahab possessed the grit. Rahab possessed the heart. Rahab possessed the fear of God. Rahab possessed the guts. So when the spies arrived, instead of shaking in fear, Rahab thought fast. And she hid them on their roof, on her roof. Then she redirected the king's men, the king and his men, when they came to look for those spies. She lied, basically, to provide a way of escape for God's people. You see, God could have chosen someone with the perfect pedigree to help with this mission, right? You would think he would have provided maybe another chosen person of Israel or something, someone with a great past, someone qualified for, for this job. But none of those people were the right ones. Rahab, however, was. Rahab was in the perfect position with the perfect disposition to do the job. And God must have seen something tender in the life of this life-hardened woman and knew that he can trust her. See, I love this about God. I love how he sees how unqualified we are, whether we disqualify ourselves or whether others do. Sometimes others will label us unqualified, unworthy, not good enough, can't do it right. God doesn't do that for us. God continues to choose us anyways. So when God looked at Rahab, he didn't see her as a prostitute or as the community saw her as the lowest of the lows. God saw her potential. And in spite of the challenges and choices of her life, he knew there was a part of Rahab's heart that was open to him. Is there a part of your heart that's open to God? Is there a part of your heart that is open to God so that he can move, so that he can use you? Rahab did not disappoint. Joshua 6, verse 25. 
But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Rahab's story tells me that sometimes God doesn't choose the perfect girl for the job. Sometimes he will choose you and I. And we are enough. Although you may list all the reasons why you can't, you couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't do what God has called you to do or can do what God has called you to do, God prefers you. He prefers to take your personality, your unique personality. God chooses to use your experiences and even your inexperiences. God prefers those parts of you that seem less than pleasant so that he can use it to get the glory. Doesn't mean that he's going to leave you where you are. Our God redeems us and he is always refining us because it's in his hands that our mess has meaning, ladies. Our mess has meaning to God. And I say, yes, God, here I am. Use it. Use all of me. Use my mess for the benefit of your kingdom. You see, I'm so glad that Rahab didn't send the spies away, giving them excuses why she wasn't qualified to help them. I'm so glad Rahab didn't send them down to the neighbor's house because she felt that the neighbor woman down the street was a better woman for the job. I'm so glad Rahab didn't turn off all the lights and pretended not to be home when they came in because of insecurity told her to freeze in silence. That's what the enemy wants to do. If he can silence us, he can prevent the impact from happening. But Rahab didn't freeze in silence. With courage, with strength, God called Rahab's number. Rahab, I have a job for you. Rahab, without a doubt, responded. And all that she was, she responded to the job. The courage that she displayed ended up being necessary to save the spies. The courage that Rahab displayed was necessary to save her family. The courage Rahab displayed was necessary to save all of Israel. You see, in the process of all of this, Rahab gains a special role in God's story. In Matthew, the gospel writer Matthew, he registers this woman, this prostitute woman. He registers this liar. He registers this Canaanite woman, this woman that was deemed the lowest of the lows. Matthew registers this woman in the same family tree as Jesus Christ himself. Because Rahab possessed the guts, the grit. She possessed the heart to answer the call that God had on her life. And she ends up impacting for generations to come. So much so, she is one of the many great-grandmothers of Jesus Christ himself. If that's not redeeming, I don't know what is. If that's not an excuse to not do what God has called you to do, I don't know what is. Ladies, Rahab squashed 
all of our excuses. Gentlemen, Rahab, she squashed all of the excuses that you may have on why God cannot use you. When God calls you, you answer. In your mess and all. Because you are the woman for the job. Ladies, we never know what's on the other side of our insecurity. We don't understand the impact and the weight that we have when we step out in faith and do what it is that God has called. Rahab surely didn't know it, that we know because we know we've read the end of the story. At that time, she had no idea whether the task she was called to at that moment was a big deal or a small deal. She had no idea how it would play out in history to where she now is the, one of the great grandmothers of the savior of the world. Never despise small beginnings. You never know how it's going to play out. So you are the woman for the job. You are the woman to break those generational curses that loom over you and your family. You are the woman to go after that dream and to see it fulfilled. You are the woman called to raise, to nurture, and to love and disciple those children that God has put in your midst. You are the woman, although it may seem hard and it may seem difficult, and it may even seem scary, but with God, all things are possible. If we allow are natural to be connected to God's super. He puts that super on our natural and supernatural miracles begin to happen and begin to flow because we said, yes, God, here I am. I'm nothing special. I'm nothing great. I don't have it all together, but here I am. You are the woman for the job, ladies. Out of all the people in this universe, God has ordained you to do something that only you can do. No one can do it like you. And when you're obedient to the call, no matter how hard and no matter how scary it is, when you're obedient to him and you allow him to use that very thing that he has created you with, the results are fulfillment that you feel in walking in purpose is nothing like it. The thing that you're searching for is on the other side of you being strong and being courageous. Why Rahab? Why Rahab? We always ask that for, I'm sure she probably heard it herself. Why you, Rahab? Why did you get to save Israel? Why you? But really, that's the same question we're asking ourselves. God, why me? I'm hearing about its purpose for me. I'm hearing that there's a call on my life. Why me? Why would you choose to use me? I wasn't raised in church. I'm nothing special. I'm not like all of those other women who seem to have it all together. Why me? And I would say, why, why not you? If he could use Rahab. He can use you. Why not you? Stop sleeping on yourself. Stop sleeping on yourself. You are uniquely you. God has created you with the purpose for a reason. He's created you with the purpose, for a purpose, on purpose. Why not you? You see, God does some of his most amazing work through some of the most incredibly flawed people like you and me. 
Sure, he could have chosen to use that woman who seemed, seemed, heavy emphasis on seemed, to have it all together. But honestly, he wouldn't get much glory out of that. Right? He gets the glory when he uses people like me, like you. So instead of saying, why me? I'm nothing special. I can't do anything great. Let's start asking God, what is it that you know about me? God, will you open up my eyes so that I can see who I am in your kingdom? Those are the questions you should be asking. And the fact is, is that we are all broken. We are all in need of a savior. But God is looking for a few courageous women who don't mind activating and letting all of hell know that you picked the wrong woman, you picked the wrong children, you picked the wrong family, you picked the wrong dream. God is looking for a few courageous women who doesn't mind standing up, flaws and all, and saying, God, here I am. Satan, you tried to lie. You tried to make me shrink. You you tried to, to make me shy away. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made. I am more than a conqueror. I have all the tools that I need to be successful. Satan, you have no more control over me. And I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of the enemy lying to me, trying to lie to me and telling me what I can do and telling me what I cannot do. I'm so sick of it. So no, God, here I am. I choose to be activated. I choose to live a life of impact. The reality is there is one big difference between people who do things for God and people who do not. And it's really simple. The people who do big things for God act when he speaks despite our feelings. The people who do big things for God act when he speaks despite the feelings. I want to be a person who impacts. I want to be a person who do big things for God. Do you? So I pray today that the story of Rahab encouraged you, that God has a plan, and he chose you to be the woman for the job. Yes, in all of your uniqueness, he is calling you to be strong. He's calling you to be courageous. And he's calling you to trust him to order your steps. Sometimes we get so confused by, I don't know what the plan is. You're not going to know the plan. You have to choose or to know that God is going to order your steps. But you have to take that first one first. And it's one foot in front of the other. And God will order, order you where you should be, where you shouldn't be, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should say, what you shouldn't say. But you're not going to get all of that at once. So do not be fooled. Do not be confused. Do not be disappointed. You're not going to get a game plan at the beginning of your yes. You have to walk this thing out. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, ladies. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous 
right hand. That's God's promise to you. Sometimes we're looking for a promise every time we come to this decision. God, I need you to reassure me. God, I need you to tell me. He's already given the promise. Sure, this scripture was very important and, and, and relevant to the people of that day, but the, this God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It applies to you just as it does the people back then. This is a promise for you as well. He's not going to keep reminding you and reminding you and confirming you and confirming you. The enemy's not going to tell you to do something for God. Say, oh, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to, no, God has called you. God has called you to impact his kingdom. Big ways, small ways, whatever ways, God has called you. So don't know, oh, I need to pray about it. I need to spend some time thinking about, what, why? Is it, are you doing, are you doing the Lord's work or not? Right? Sometimes, well, I bet the, it's just buying time. You're either going to be strong and courageous or not. And the promise to you is God is going to be there with you. He is going to help you. But again, you have to decide with boldness, with courage, that it is me. I am the woman for the job, and I'm going to step out in faith, believing that God is going to meet me where he is. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in just a moment. But right now, as you process, in worship team, you can come. I want to give you permission to be activated. I want to give you permission to get into position where God is calling you. If you don't know what that is, what God is calling you to, then I encourage you to step out in faith, seek it out, discover it, pray about it. But it's so important that you discover what it is that God has called you to so that you can live a life of purpose on purpose and not just running around aimlessly in this life. There's no joy, there's no fulfillment in that. So discovering what your purpose is, you're never too late, it's always on time, but it's so important to discover that and with boldness to say, yes, God, I'm willing to activate for you. And if there is any doubt, let me tell you today that you are enough. You are enough because of Jesus Christ. You have always been enough because of Jesus Christ. God is calling us to live a new story through his strength and through his redemptive power. God is calling each of us to move forward, not to be like Caius, stuck, right? God is calling each of us to move forward and not get stuck in those traps of worthlessness, of uselessness, of not being good enough, not being worthy. God is calling us higher. friend of God we have come to the end of our episode well thank you for tuning in yes we have been calling all sassy souls well 
It's that time. So from me, Salome Jacobs, the author of You Don't Know the Cast of My Alabaster Box and The Mom with Many Hats, signing off. I would love to say thank you to Elder Audrey Fulton for her word, her encouraged word to each and every one of you this day. The distraction and weight of worry. But before we love and leave you, if there's anyone out there celebrating a birthday, anniversary or received news of good cheer, happy birthday to you, happy anniversary and congratulations to you. Not forgetting those who have lost a loved one or two, our heartfelt and sincere condolences goes out to you. And may God bring you and lead you to that place to find someone whom you can trust to reach out to, to open up and enwrap you, that your life does matter, that whatever your situation might be, the environment that you might find yourself in, that he will send in the right people to assist you so, so that you can get the dutiful help that's intended for you. And for that, we give God all the honor, all the praise and all the glory for sending in the right ones to you. That the God we serve will come to your aid, your plea, so you can survive and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Well, it's always a pleasure, isn't it? And like I said, it's cold. It's wet, it's rainy. But thank you for allowing us into your space, into your humble abode. Thank you for sharing, thank you for caring, but most of all, thank you for sharing the love. Thank you for sharing the podcast with various friends and social platforms. And if you're traveling, Safe journey mercies. If you're flying, bon voyage to you. And from all of us, have an awesome weekend. Shashane, grazie, hamse hao. Sayonara, disvedinia, adios, dovedinia, ova, farewell, adios, kudigole. Adia, maestramatica, vasila, con tashian. Salamatingala, vidisain, adivideci, anion. Spasiba, have it. Take care. Stay tuned as we step into our next
wishes It's all about your time It's all about the things you've become in your life You know the stuff you're made of 